Welcome, <laughs> welcome everybody to the Men for Life podcast. My name is Andrew Jacoby, and I am joined in studio by multiple people today. Very exciting today. I have my my good friend and um, co-pilot here at the Men for Life podcast, Pete DeMaio. Pete, say hello. Hey, what's up? And we have um, a gaggle of young people in the house today. So it's great. We have uh, Mackenzie Duffy. Mackenzie, say hello. Hey. We have uh, Nick DeMaio. What's up, guys? Nick. And, uh, and we have Devin Buggy. Hi. So uh, we are very <laughs> excited. We will be going over what it is like to be a high schooler in today's world. Um, and what that what that means both we have a we have people here from Catholic schools as well as from our public schools So we'll be learning a little bit about that. It should be very interesting. We actually did this episode before and It was thanks to my excellent recording skills. It didn't record very well. So um, we are repeating it um, And that one was lost to the uh, history books, but we'll start out in prayer and then we'll get into the episode so Pete um, actually, Nick's going to start us off in prayer to the younger DeMaio. Mm. <laughs> wow. So uh, whoever's going to start us off, let's let's do it. All right. Um, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious God, you bless Padre Pio with the five wounds of Christ crucified, making him an inspiring witness to the saving love of Jesus in our world and a powerful reminder to us of your infinite mercy and goodness. Through this heavenly intercession of St. Pio, I ask for the grace of to please touch the hearts and the minds of all human people so that we can reestablish a culture of life and have dignity and respect for all human life from conception until natural death. Help me, O oh Lord, to imitate Padre Pio's devout faith, prayerful holiness, patient forgiveness, and loving compassion towards others. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank love you very that. much, Nick. That was great. I love it. Yeah, you hit Padre Pio, my guy. Yeah. It's great. Padre Pio. I've heard a lot about Padre Pio. So anyway, um, we are here and uh, so exciting to have you guys in the studio again. Nice to see you guys again. So what we did last time, and we didn't want to sort of try to repeat and do a, a pale version of what we did last time. So kind of letting the Holy Spirit run this time. What we'd like to do, I think, is at least the my curiosity is... What is it like to be you? So what is it like to be young people today? Because when I was growing up a long time ago when dinosaurs ruled the earth, <laughs> um, it was crazy, but nowhere near as insane as it is today. So we wanted to hear a little bit about the front lines of just all aspects of life for people your age today and how you as people of faith are walking um, in this world and how you are gaining the strength to um, to overcome and to, to live the right way. And so hopefully that will provide some kind of inspiration for anybody listening who is struggling in the world. So let's first get a picture of what is this world like? What is it like to be, um, how old, you, maybe you guys can all first say how old you are. Uh, I'm 15. I'm 16. And I'm 16 as well. So we have 15 and 16 year olds. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't know, Pete, do you have anything to kick us off either or? No, um, <clears throat> these guys are amazing. I mean, Nikki, of course, is our, our son. So he's, um, I mean, he's our second oldest and he's such a blessing and gift to have him. And then we have Devin here as Nikki's girlfriend. They've been dating for 10, 11 months today. 11 wow. months. Oh, wow. I love it. Congratulations. Thank you. So you have an actual couple here 
that's amazing. Great. So we can hear about that. Yeah. We know from uh, from having the Sackos on with us that I am a total romantic sap, and I love love. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows one of my favorite Bible um, passages is 1 Corinthians 13. Um, for those of you that don't know that one, that's um, the one that's at weddings often. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not self-seeking, that one. So I love that. I love love. And then we have Mackenzie with us, and she is outstanding. I just met Mackenzie this past year. She's at Villa Maria High School. And she's actually on our student advisory board for Pennsylvanians for Human Life. She was nominated by her school to be one of the student leaders, and she's going to continue to be. So this is going to be really – I'm. look, I wish we didn't lose that last episode with you yeah, two because it was, it was powerful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really powerful. Yeah, but great. I'm looking forward to, to doing this today. It's going to be great to hear from you three. So, yeah, do we want to get a um, maybe start with a little bit of background? Sure. On, Sounds so, great. Yeah, like Mackenzie, um, tell us a little bit about you, um, your like family situation. Do you have siblings? How many do you have? Yeah. So, uh, like, I, like we've mentioned, um, I'm 16. I go to Villa Maria Academy. Um, I'm a rising junior. I have two younger brothers. They're twins. Um, so they'll be freshmen next year. And I love my mom, dad, I have two dogs. Pretty nice. I've grown up Catholic. And we pretty much grew up, you're pretty standard Cath- American Catholic. That's pretty much what we were. We'd go to church most Sundays. And we'd say grace before meals. But some some of the harder topics, like what we're discussing today, wasn't necessarily always discussed. So I think it's really important, at least for me, to put that out into the world and really just help educate those who, those who maybe have their opinions, but also those who don't know what to believe and just give them the comforting grace that the Catholic Church has to offer. That's under- Mackenzie, why do you think your parents didn't discuss it? Was it something that you guys tried to bring up or is it just never discussed, like sort of more say controversial subjects i'd say uh definitely some degrees more so than other were um more or less controversial um i live in a split um household so half of my family believes one thing half my family believes the other so it definitely was if we talked about it it was like a defined time we talk about it we're all very civil about it all the time and i actually appreciate that because i feel like it gives me a different point of view whenever i am discussing with people who may be pro-choice or who may not know what to believe. Um, I think it really helps give me new insight and just into what's going on in their minds and really just treating them with compassion and understanding. It's a difficult subject, especially mm, if they're people. It's like the time, it reminds me of the times, I imagine, of the Civil War where it's just families yeah. were split mm-hmm. apart. I mean, my family too, it was like sort of me and my dad on one side and everybody else on the other. It's just not, it's not united. And so there's just certain topics that we can't discuss really at the at the dinner table if we want to like have dinner in a reasonable calm way right <laughs> it's just like you can't talk about it no you're right andrew that's i feel like great that's how thing. it is today too is this just isn't something that if you want to avoid like controversy it's not something that you talk about you know um which isn't good you know you have to speak up about mm-hmm. it if you, know? you want anything to change you have to address it yeah we know Nick. We heard a little bit about your upbringing. We know something, but maybe you tell the uh, tell tell everybody about your family, the DeMaio family. You gotta, uh, yeah, there's a lot of you. Yeah. Um. So, like my dad said, I'm the second oldest of seven. Um. 
And it's fun. I I, lo- I love having a big family. Um, it's great. And my dad is super Catholic. Super <laughs> no, really? Or at least he tries. But yeah. Um, so it's always been... It's like, like Mr. Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's always been something where, like, it wasn't forced, but it definitely, like, had a huge influence on my life, you know? Like... I wasn't forced to be Catholic by any means, but definitely like a big part of my life growing up. Yeah. I went to Catholic school since I preschool, you know, so That's it's great. important, you know. Nikki, I'm really glad you're here. It's going to be cool to hear you to discuss some of this because obviously it's, yeah, I don't know, it's probably a little bit strange, you yeah. know, having me as your dad, but yeah. it's, but then what's, What's life like for you, you know, as your own? Yeah. You know, yeah. you're an individual. You're Nikki DeMaio outside of me. I, you know, yeah. I, like I always tell you guys, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Like, who are you aside from me, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's going to be, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, to digging in a little bit. Yeah. How, about, how about you, Devin? Where, where, tell us a little bit about your family. So I'm one of three. I have an older brother and a younger brother, and my family is just always been like the quiet family but like we always have lots of fun with each other and all that stuff but usually when my family comes together it's like super fun we have like big side of my family my mom's side so we all like party together and like hang out and just like really make memories with each other that's great where are you where are you from are you from uh so i'm from springfield township in delaware county and it's kind of like a smaller town but it's like everyone's like together like we call it like delco like everyone knows everyone has like a delco person with the delco accent it's like super funny (laughs) (laughs) it's like really fun um it's really honestly been a pleasure to have devin around the family and i genuinely mean that um she's a great girl but also um her family's great her her little brother logan um comes over and hangs at the house now and has come swimming with the kids uh, a few times this summer and we love having him there too and her mom and dad it's no surprise that they're good kids because her mom and dad are really really like trisha and i talk about Mm -hmm. it that they're just really good people so yeah did you grow up catholic was it a catholic home or was it um... so my family they used to be catholic but they kind of stopped going to church after i was born just because i've been like so busy with stuff but like my grandparents my mom's side they're really catholic and i just i've always been around them so i would always do prayers with them at dinner time and just like be around that ever since I've grown up. Interesting. What's it like being with someone who's like like with Nick, who's pretty Catholic? <laughs> I mean, he might not be as Catholic as his dad, who's like Mr. Catholic. But how's it like? What's it like being with somebody who's like pretty, like, you know, I mean, Catholic. when I first met Nick, I had no clue. Like, well, he's so funny story. Like, I thought he was 16 my age. But when he told me he was still 14 at the time, I was, like, freaking out. Because I didn't know if he was, like, my same age. But, like, as soon as, like, I found out they were Catholic, I was like, okay, that's not bad. Like, I can deal with that stuff. And then I started going to church with them, and I really started to like it. Mm, Wow. So it's something that he brought you a little bit closer, maybe, to the faith. So start, like, where you weren't going to church before, if you want to hang out with Nick, probably sometimes you're going to have to go to church because Nick's going to go to church. I so, didn't mind it. I actually really liked it. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, in today's society, it's hard to, like, people tend to steer away from a lot of, like, the Catholic stuff, you know? You know. Um, but then if you really, like, get close to God, you'd start to realize this is, uh, it's great, you know? 
Um, so that was really like interesting because obviously like you didn't grow up super Catholic, Devin. So it was interesting to see how you would respond to that. You know. Yeah. What What do you like about it? So when you go to church, what 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 do you like about it? What is there? A, is it a feeling? Is it just because it's a beautiful? There's beautiful music, or what is it that 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 um that you like about it? Well, all around, it's just like it's it's like a home, like a warm welcoming, and it's mm. just like especially with the Demios, it just feels like good to be there. A mm. lot of the so just a good feeling. Yeah. Aw, yeah. thanks. <laughs> Yeah. That makes me feel good because by no means we are not even kind of a perfect family. We're just like <laughs> Trisha and I are a regular married couple like everyone else, and our kids are pretty normal kids. So, um, but that's nice. I'm glad you feel like happy and mm-hmm. at home with us. Hey, you're not allowed to take a water break, Andrew. I've uh, sorry. The co- my my co partner here. Uh, uh, then for life, he th- he's taking a, a water break. I'll have to take a <laughs> sip of water. Wow, that's crazy. So you said something before, Mackenzie, and I couldn't help but think. I remember giving a talk to the Mary and Mercy. Um, they, their group there is called the Love and Life Group, and they had a wonderful coordinator there, um, Mrs. Sheena Rightly. She's outstanding. She's at Villa Maria now. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading to the girls once, when it comes to topics like this that we're going to discuss, it brought me to this one passage in the Bible, and it, and it appears in Luke, and it also appears in Matthew. So we see it in the Gospel twice. And it's Luke 12, 49 to 53, and it's Jesus speaking and saying, now, we all know Jesus is, I mean, literally loves us to the point of of sacrificing himself for us and didn't have to. (laughs) So we know there's no greater love than, than him laying down his life. But listen to this. I, Luke 12, 49 to 53, I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have baptism to undergo, and what constraint am I under until it is completed? Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And I remember the first time I read that when reading the Gospels, and I was like, I was an adult man, you know, young man. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not the normal loving message that, you know, that I'm used to. What does that one mean? So I think, Mackenzie, what you were describing before and what you described, Andrew, where it's almost like basically civil war feeling, <laughs> you know, yeah. at a dinner table where we might be divided right within our own family when we come to very important and serious topics like this yeah we're gonna see division not just in the world and in the streets like we're seeing today but we're gonna see it even right within our own families unfortunately so yeah it's true and it's really difficult do you find it difficult to not be or do you you were saying Mackenzie, that you're able you're able to discuss it in a civil fashion within your family but it's just not discussed is it sort of how, how does that work so typically we'll actually most of the time we tend to um shy away from the topic 
But if there's ever a major news headline or something happens, because I'm pretty actively involved in the um, pro-life organizations at my school through PHL, et cetera, if there's any ever something major like that, it typically always opens with a pretty open dialogue, um, just talking about the issue like point blank what it is. And then from right from like the strict facts of what the problem is or what the event that is that happened, we branch off into, I guess, more of the emotionally charged side. And we always, I mean, since in our root, we love each other. Like we're a really close-knit family. I love my parents, my siblings, we're all great. So we never want to do anything to offend each other. So I think that really keeps us to a point to where we're open to the conversation and we're willing to try to make the strides to understand the other person and get like a better understanding of really where they're coming from but also not getting to the point of where you sometimes see in the media of where you're attacking the person not for their beliefs but as them as a person and you're no longer on the topic of the issue you're discussing which most of the time is pro-life or pro-choice it's abortion um you're going much you get stray from the issue and you tend to attack the person which i think Having the um, division in my family has really taught me how to stay focused on the issue at hand and to discuss it civilly and to be open to what everyone has to say, even if it isn't your point of view. Hmm. Interesting. And what is the um, the argument in your family, meaning when somebody's on the pro-choice side or the pro-abortion side, why? What is the reasoning that they give you? A lot of the time, because all of us, we're pretty practicing Catholics, or we try to be at least. Um, none of us, I mean, either the women, none of us would want to get it, or the males, none of them would want someone they love to get it. But I think what it comes down to is that, A, one of the main topics is that it's not their business, or it's someone else's choice. Mm. And then, B, there is a very, um, we discuss a lot where the point of viability and where the point of personhood is. Right, And I think that seeing the other side on that topic not necessarily changes my mind because it certainly does it. I almost feel like it pushes me more towards my beliefs because I'll go to a conversation and then I'll be like, oh, that one stumped me there. I'm going to go look it up and then I'll like listen to a podcast or just do some research on my own and be open to both sides and just further affirm my beliefs. Um, but anyways, I think those are the two main topics and... They te- and we always tend to come back to them. And I almost feel like our conversations kind of disperse when we get to a point where we realize nothing productive can come from the conversation anymore. If we're on the verge of getting too emotional from starting to um, stray away from the argument at core, then we kind of just call it, a tr- we call it a truce for now. We know that we'll talk about it later. And you know, we'll get back to it. But we, at the end of the day, even after all those difficult conversations, we go to bed saying we love each other and we respect every person. Mm. Yeah. How is it with you guys in your friend group? You guys are all young and sort of in co- in, in high school. Sorry. So what's it like in, on your friend group? Do you have friends? Do you all, are all your friends pro-life or something? Like, what would you say that the percentage breakdown is? I would say in my friend group, it's probably like a nine to one. It's like pro-life, so like wow, pro- yeah, a large just because it's common school. sense, you know, Catholic school, you know. Um, but for the kids that aren't pro-life, for the kids that are pro-choice, it's not something that we really discuss a lot. Just because it's, I'd rather be friends than like not 
you know what I'm saying, than to have bad blood. Just leave it, of, leave it aside. But if it ever were to come up, normally, it's not like arguing. It's just like a nice civilized discussion, you know? And what I feel like the problem is in society today is like people have their minds so set on what they believe that for a lot of people, nothing's going to change how they feel, you know? Um, so that's a big issue, you know? They, yeah, go ahead. Nikki, I was going to say, you've had an interesting, um, an even more interesting perspective just in the last few weeks, which I think is worth um, worth sharing. Uh, Nikki and Petey, our, our oldest, uh, started working for Susan B. Anthony. Mm. Oh, so wow. Did you really? Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's no. been so much fun, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So they're but, literally going out and knocking on doors. And, for money. They're paying you, right? It's good cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're... And they have a series of questions, you know, that they ask, but but they're interfacing now with these people that, as you just said, Nick, that some people are so set in in their beliefs that it's actually at a point where they don't even necessarily know why they believe what they believe. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I vote this way. So, you know, right, and, and right. so this is what Nikki's been encountering with adults that are two and three and four times his age. So. Yeah. So this is what like a normal it's just four quick questions. Um, the first question is late term abortions, you know, um, when the baby can feel pain, do you think that they should be limited? The next question is Shapiro and Fetterman that are running for governor and Senate both believe if the baby were to survive an abortion that they shouldn't receive medical care and should be left to die. Like, do you think this should be illegal? And then the last question is, like, basically after hearing this about them, do you think you'd be more likely or less likely to vote for them? Um, and people actually confuse themselves because they'll hear that second question. And it, it's so hilarious, like, seeing their reactions um, because they'll think, oh, yeah, why would you leave a child there to die? You know, it's already been born. You know, it's survived an abortion. Don't leave that there to die. And now when they hear that the people they want to vote for are allowing this it they're like uh and then a lot of times what will happen is it'll be they'll answer pro-life and then once they hear that about their candidates it'll be i'm pro-choice and i'm voting for shapiro and fetterman then slam the door in your face so it's it's funny hearing their what's reaction. what is the typical reaction to people when you come up to their house to talk to them like a stranger to talk about abortion it totally depends um but that is actually probably the the most what what happens the most is they'll be pro-life but then they'll want to vote democrat and so so how many people will you do we talk to in a night or in a day we me and pete went out yesterday and we did 162 houses yesterday which wow. is that's yeah a ton that that's a solid amount but not everybody answers we probably talked to i don't know 30 people total yesterday and i'd say at least 20 of them are pro-life but vote democrat because they they think that there's bigger issues than just abortion but abortion is the biggest issue so and i think i just want to add on because i guess a lot of the people answering the door is like um your dad said was are like two three four times your age and i think something that i have noticed just when having conversations with adults and with people so much older than me is that when 
they were growing up and when they were first learning this information, it was presented so much mm. differently than what we have today. Yeah. Mm. The facts and what they're trying to legalize today is so drastically different than what was happening in 1970 when Roe v. Wade was first passed. And when that was passed to be the exception and only at 20 weeks and they didn't think, they didn't have the imaging, they had no clue how viable the child was or how much was going on within the womb. They had no clue about the fingerprints or the, that they could feel pain or the sound or just the amount of interaction that yeah. the child in womb has with the outside world. And I think that once you get those ideas in your brain from such a young age and you grow up so passionate about your opinions because as humans we just one of the flaws of our society is we hate to be wrong once we have our convictions we want to we'll yeah. die on that hill it's very hard to admit that we're at a point of error um but i just think that so much has changed not only with what we know now 50 years later but also with what's trying to happen as you were saying with the late-term abortions and when yeah. the child's completely 100 percent viable even some people that are strongly pro-choice you can get a can you can see something in their eye once they hear that a child was a failed abortion and was born alive what do you do because that really does just draw right on it hits the nail right on the head with the topic and it and i think all that we know now really just challenges this topic so much more and really is catapulting it forward Devin, what was your experience with this topic was this something that growing up it sounds like your parents were Catholic, but they didn't, they sort of, not that they went away, but they, they, did, they weren't really practicing. So was the pro-life issue something that was a big thing in your house? Not, what was the, what was your I experience? I mean, honestly, with? it wasn't really talked about. And if I like go to my school to mention it, I think I would lose about 5 million of my friends because in public school, they don't really talk about anything about society like that. So when you speak of it, say like, I'm like pro-life and my friends pro-choice should be like, okay, we can't be friends anymore. Wow. But, they, so but nobody talks about it? At nobody the same talks time. about it's it. It's so weird because I feel like they talk about all the other stuff, you know, like, uh, they're they're so inclusive to like all the mm. LGBTQ stuff and whatnot, but then pro-choice or pro-life abortion, you know, they're so like, oh, we can't talk about that because yeah. it's so logical to be pro-life, you know, which is why I feel like they try to steer away from it, you know. And Devin, you just hit on something important for the people that are preaching tolerance and you yeah. know and, and love and Ooh. and inclusion and all this and i just did that interview for the philadelphia inquirer you know when's that t- coming out it came out already oh yeah sorry it, anyway it's it came out right i think um, i don't know a week ago or two no weeks way. ago no how was yeah. it it was great but when you read it it's exactly what you guys just described not only at the high school level but even with adults is the 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 writer, and I thought she did an excellent job, gave two um, vantage points of a pro-choice person and then two from a pro-life, myself and Mickey Kelly. Shout out Mickey Kelly. He's a great guy from our Philly area. But but from the other side, that's exactly what it read. It read that, oh, well, my father uh, can't understand that I'm pro-choice and he's pro-life, so I'm just not going to speak to him anymore then, you know? And it was like, Where's the inclusion and the, the 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 love and the you know like what happened? How, as you just said, Devin, if I'm pro-life but you're pro-choice, why do you have to cut me out of your life? How come we're not allowed to be friends anymore? You know, what, yeah. where's that come from? I'm yeah. not cutting you out of my life, right. so why are you cutting me out of yours? Um, a house that I was at, um, I told you about this, Dad. A house that I was at, 
uh, like on Saturday, I think it was. Um, they it had a flag out front that was, um, like a pride flag, and on it, it said "Love always wins," right? So I was I went up to the house and I start to talk to them, and um, I couldn't even get through the first question, and they like started yelling at me. And we're like, you have to get off our property right now. And it, it's <laughs> the love always it was, wins. It was, and I was, I found yeah. it funny because they are trying to say love always wins, but that's, they're not. not yeah, good. except you? for love, except for loving the most innocent yeah, exactly. member of the human species, which is the ones in the womb. Yeah. yeah. So you, I, I'm so happy that you're on with us today, honestly, because. You're way more mature, I feel like, than we were at your ages. 100%. It's honestly, in your thinking and all of it, there's just, there's a maturity level there. And you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Mackenzie. And, and I recall when we did this last time is that you had described you very much have an interest in science and you know medicine mm -hmm. and all and you're doing we won't say any names but you're interning right now as yep. a high school student with one of our our area hospitals and because you have this interest in you know in medicine and in science and also what led you to this person you know for your you is is this this um factual like this truth based mm -hmm. you know it's not you arrived at this conclusion because because this was a fact for you mm -hmm. this was and like I said, I grew up where it like wasn't discussed and I came to this conclusion, I guess, before I was ever involved in any of those heavy conversations about abortion. And I just, I guess I kind of navigated it on my own. Once I, I forget what I saw one day, but something just sparked my interest. I went down a rabbit hole and out popped little pro-life me. I was, I had all my facts there. I, I knew what I believed and I mean, I say that that was where, I mean, that was where it started, but I never really stopped doing the research. Each and every day, there's just more and more evidence supporting the pro-life movement scientifically, factually, logically. It's just all there. So even when you take it out of the beautiful entity that is the Catholic Church and that does teach this wonderful precept, um, it still is rooted in science and in math and in facts, and it's just all there. And as we learn more and more every day, as more and more just emerges in our very advanced technological society, I think it's definitely helping persuade more people, even those that aren't Catholic or aren't even religious. You even have your atheists for life now. And I think just <laughs> the facts and the science behind it are really our testament to that. I forgot, Mackenzie, that you shared with us that you were just, you know, like normal kid watching videos or something mm -hmm. like that on your phone you stumbled across something and that was your first time of it coming across your radar right that there actually was a pro-life pro-choice that's cool mm -hmm. you know argument or debate or something do you remember when you mentioned that can you tell oh, us yeah again? so i was i was really little i must have been like eight or something and i was just on youtube just i don't even know what i was watching but it was like a controversial question video and i'm like this looks interesting i click on it and most of them were like what's your favorite color? Do you prefer mountains or the beach? And so they, you know, weren't. But then as you got towards the end of the video, I remember there was a question and it was like, pro-life or pro-choice? And I sit there, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that means. And um, the person that was answering the question, she goes, I'm pro-choice because even though 
I support life. I would never want to tell a woman what to do with her body. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Women should not be told what to do with their bodies. We are in the 21st century. This makes sense. But then I was like, I, I should be able to support this. So, you know, I think I kind of lost it for a little bit. Didn't really, like I said, I was eight. I probably clicked on the next video and forgot about it. But later on, as I started to mature and started to really um, find my path in this world, I did my own research and I really just came to this conclusion by myself. I, un I tried to understand both sides and I saw where both sides were coming from. And at the end, it was just what the science and the facts were telling me. And then I had the nice little backup of that the Catholic Church supported it too. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I actually find something a little different, which is that I think most of the people understand that it's a baby and they're still okay with killing it. Yeah. That's what's weird when I, you know, so it's, it's obvious. I can show you pictures. Nobody wants to look at the pictures because their conscience still speaks to them. But there's this thing in morality called the, the is-ought distinction. So what that means is sort of like... Um, just because you can tell what something is doesn't mean you know what you ought to do about it. So science can take us a certain to a certain place. We can determine that it's human because it has human DNA. I mean, just simple reasoning, right? Mm -hmm. Has human DNA, has human parents. Human parents cannot produce anything else other than what is human. So even basic understandings, um, uh, sort of common sense reasoning. But still, what I find kind of baffling is that people will accept the scientific evidence and still say it's okay to kill the child. A famous example of this is this very famous feminist, um, Naomi Klein or Naomi Wolf, one of the two, one of the Naomi's, and she says, yeah, it's just, it's totally a child. It's just that in order for women to be equal to men, in order for equality, we need to be able to control our bodies, A-E, I-E, kill the kid. So that's the part that I find more difficult, sort of. They, they already accept that it's a child mm -hmm. and still they want to kill it. Do you guys run into that as well or is yeah. that just me? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely run into that because, like I said, no nobody, well, obviously there's people, but most people are going to recognize that that's a child in there. Unless they're just uneducated or ignorant, they're going to recognize that that's a child in there. They're just, like I said, ignorant, so they want what they want which would be to the ability to have an abortion you know yeah and it's so silly you know thinking about that so like it, sorry go ahead Nick. no i was just gonna say like how could you jesus says like the greatest act of love is to lay down your life for your neighbor that would mean that like the greatest act of death would be to take your own child's life you know like that's it's crazy so the idea of love today is an idea of what, what what's in it for me. Yeah. What what about me? Whereas what you were saying is that Jesus was saying that love is actually a self-sacrificial yeah. act for another. Mm -hmm. Whereas today it's all about no, no 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 no. How does this affect me? What am I what am I getting out of this? What is what's in it for me? And it's the only thing that matters. Yeah. I feel like a, a large problem is because the world's so materialistic, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and human nature would be to fall into, like, all the materialistic things of the world, but you, you can't do that, you know? It's not, that's not true love. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It's not, and as a man, it, coming to know Jesus, who Jesus truly is, 
is to come to know that the self-sacrificial love and I know and and John discussed this John Chivarelli on the last episode amazing episode thank you John yeah check it out everybody amazing episode he's just searching 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 for all these things and he's missing what he was truly in search for which was his god-sized hole was empty you know Mm. and but but that's it and I and I know I went through that myself as a man and you but that is not authentic masculinity or fatherhood a true father is like a saint joseph where you lay down your life for Mm. for mary or for the good of the other which are children and you continue to lay it down over and over again and when i fail as a father or as a husband typically it's if I go and reconcile it and my place to reconcile that is usually holy hour going and sitting in adoration, even if it's quick for 10 or 15 minutes, I'll just go and sit in front of Jesus in the Eucharist. And what I almost, I never hear God tell me in my heart that I'm supposed to go home and be more self-seeking. I haven't heard, I've been, I've been asking. (laughs) It's when I'm having a rough time as a husband and a father, it's always because I'm seeking what Pete wants. as opposed to laying it down for Trisha or laying it down for the kids. And I think you guys, you nailed that. And I, I'd I'd like to, I'd like to bring that into your dating worlds if it's okay, but really quickly to put a bow on that is mother Teresa, as everyone knows, is one of my favorites. I love mother Teresa, but she said, love begins at home and it is not how much we do but how much we love how much love we put in the action that we do and that love being uh not a focus on self but a focus on the other and she says um she says we have been created for greater things to love and to be loved like this is supposed to be the center and the focus that's how she was able to to just you know live her entire life for the you know for the good of the other and the poorest of the poor communities and now there's over five thousand missionaries of charity doing that and mother Teresa is amazing and what what they're what they're that whole order is incredible people before we switch to the dating thing i wanted to say one thing there's this wonderful book um, and speaker and author from the Ethics and Public Policy Institute in Washington, which is a Catholic think tank. And she wrote this book about this sort of woke, LBG, this whole thing that we're experiencing. And the book's called Awake, Not Woke. And her, she says there are certain principles in this movement, and the, one, the number one principle is will over reason. So desire over reason, meaning I want it to be so. I don't want it to be a child or I don't, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's what I want, which, as we talked about in a previous episode, goes back to the Garden of Eden, all the way back to the tree. You guys know what happened at the tree of, in the Garden of Eden, right? Where it said, you know, here's the, here's the garden. You have everything except the tree, this one particular tree, this one particular tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You cannot eat of this tree. And of the fruit of this tree. And then the devil says, yeah, but that's just because God's jealous of you. You could be like God. You get to choose. If you just choose, your will be done, not his will be done. So it always goes down to that, doesn't it? It's always, whose will am I going to follow? And if I want to follow killing children, I have to, be, I have to blind myself. You have to. Because you, you, everybody has a conscience. Yeah. Everybody knows in a certain sense. I don't care how ignorant you are. 
you know what's in what's inside of a woman when she's um, pregnant. It's just not not possible not to know that. But you say my will over reason. And as you said, Mackenzie, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, I thought was one of the most compelling arguments for this because he was the largest abortionist in the entire United States. He was the head of NARAL the National Abortion Rights Activist mm -hmm. League, right? So this is like the, if there was any abortion guy or gal, he was the guy, you know, or gal, up until ultrasound became available technology. And then when ultrasound becomes available technology, he watches himself. So if you Google the silent scream, you can see this old school video of this. And he watches himself performing an abortion and as he's trying to vacuum and suck the baby apart, limb by limb, the baby's retracting and trying to get away. And he was an atheist. He had religion pounded down his throat by his father, who was like a Hasidic Jew. You know what that can feel yeah, like, sure. Andrew, or if you have a very overbearing religious parent, you know, in any religion, Muslim, Christianity, Judaism, and you have that where it's being forced on you, that was him. So instead of accepting it, he rejected it. He became an atheist. Even Dr. Bernard Nathanson, as an atheist, said, shut it down. His practice had done over like 60,000 abortions up in New York, and he shut the whole practice down because he said, we're killing a living organism. He didn't say child or baby, but even on that ultrasound back in the 19, you know, 60s or 70s, you know, whenever that was, he knew they were killing a living organism. So yeah. he, pulled, he wound up pulling a 180 and became pro-life. And then actually wound up becoming Christian and becoming Catholic, by the way, which I thought was happens a lot. Fascinating part of his story. Like you said, Mackenzie, like the science and the truth led him. And then it was like, oh, what church teaches that? You know, mm -hmm. and it was the theology was consistent with. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I can, like before we move on real quick, I feel like since the overturning of Roe, it's definitely been um, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is a religious issue. Let's just leave religion out of it, you know. And it's religion obviously plays an important part on it because if you are Catholic, you believe obviously that murder is wrong. It's, it's the fifth commandment, you know. Um, but it's not a religion issue, you know. It's like you can't kill a child. And even if it's not a child, like he said, an organism, you can't just kill something, you know, for your own benefit. And I mean, we have laws all throughout our society that limits right and wrong yeah, exactly. we, we aren't in a lawless society where anything you will to be right is right we have it's illegal to rob a bank it's illegal to like run someone over with your car there are certain moral guidelines that our society puts in place in each society those have evolved over time obviously but as we do evolve to an age with more knowledge and more like as i hope compassion for the human person um we have those laws in place, so it's very hard to justify, I guess, what they're saying, where it's a religious issue, you can't impose your morals, versus when every moral in our society is does stem from one point or another. Yeah, it's like this. Remember, it's like imagine you're at a you're at a you have a child, and you're somebody put it this way. I thought this was interesting. You have a child, and you're um, it's like kids like three or four or whatever, and you're doing dishes, and your child comes up behind you, and you're not looking at him, and he says taps you on the back and says, Daddy, can I kill it? What are you going to say? What are you going to ask him? What is it? 
can I kill it? What is it? Right? And yeah. you say, if it's a child, no, obviously you can't kill yeah. it. Right? So it's a. If it was a spider. Yeah, or exactly. An yeah, ant if it's, a, if it's an ant, kill it. Sure, whatever. Right. Kill it. Yeah, it's, if it's in the house running around, sure, kill it, whatever. And even that, Andrew, I know it's not the same, but even that, I've become so pro life because God, <laughs> through God's grace and love and mercy, I've, he, he has. The he, divine healers gotten in there and, and changed my heart. I'm so pathetic sometimes, like right. that I'll carry a spider outside and the kids are making fun of me. Or like I caught a mouse in the house and and I took it in a bag and drove it up the street and let it go up the field. <laughs> you know, the kids are making fun of me. They're like, Dad, Pete's gonna be a saint. Yeah, I'm trying. Oh man, I'm trying. Great. I've you know I've messed Amen. everything up. Praise God. Um, so, you just hit on something which I think was awesome. If Dad, we can, Nikki, remember what you were saying about yeah. So this is what I was having this conversation with you, Dad, and I feel like this is really interesting. I was reading what Michelle Obama said after when um, she, whatever, said something a lot of people were reposting on Instagram after they overturning a row. And I, just paraphrasing it, she basically said something along the lines of, it's, it's sad that we're going to have to go back and live how our ancestors, how our moms and grandmoms and great-grandmoms had to live back in the day and i was thinking about it abortion was legal for 49 and a half almost 50 years you know if you may if you were to make anything legal for 50 years like homicide at the end of those 50 years people are still going to want it to be legal you know um because it's convenient homicide would be extremely convenient if it was legal and if people had no morals you know you, I don't like what you do. I'm just gonna kill you. You know, sure. that's that's very convenient if if you don't have morals, obviously. Um, so if you were to make that legal for 50 years, by the end of those 50 years, people are gonna want homicide to stay legal. And I feel like it's the same way with this. You know, mm. you made it legal for 50 years. At the end of those 50 years, people's minds have been so conditioned to abortion being allowed and and okay that. Now, at the end of these 50 years, they don't they want it to stay. Yeah, it's so true. And so we're getting to this point where, you know, abortion is an end result. Right. It's an end, it's an end of a process. Right. So the beginning of that process is sex. And before that is dating. So we wanted to sort of transition into a conversation with you guys about what is it like to be in the dating world? Because you guys are at the age now where, you know, when you were younger, Right. The other sex sort of looked like, you know, kind of weird. They had cooties or whatever. Like, you don't know. Like, <laughs> what are they doing over there? They're doing weird stuff. We're doing weird stuff, whatever. But then, you know, you guys are at the age now where you're starting to see the other the other sex is kind of interesting. And wow, this is, uh, you know, a thing. And so wanted to get some perspectives from you guys about what is it like to be what is the dating world like for people your age in the schools that you go to? So I don't know anybody wants to. Um, I feel like it's extremely difficult if you want to live the life God wants you to, to date somebody because the world just pressures you into so many different things and situations that it's really like, it's really difficult, you know, to, to like stay, to live how God would want you to, you know. Mm. How about you, Mackenzie? What's your, what's your thought on this? I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think just with everything that you're seeing, um, we see it from such an early age in the media of just, it's so normalized to, I, I forget who said it once, but it's dating people are acting like they're engaged and engaged people act like they're married. So when you're married, what's left? Mm. 
but in our society everything's just so rushed and no one can I guess just like enjoy the moment of life that they're in and enjoy I guess that fruits that everyone's always looking for the next thing looking for what's going to serve them best Mm -hmm. and a lot of the relationships that I guess I see with some of my friends what they're looking for what they've been hurt by are relationships that at their core both individuals were in it for themselves they weren't in it for the other person like we talked about that self-giving love that is Jesus it's not found in many of the relationships today many of the time it's just looking for how will this relationship benefit me how will dating this person elevate my social status how will dating this person make me feel when I have a bad day etc etc and that just leads down to a very slippery slope where people get into relationships and they can go pretty long like that and then there you reach one like a a a block in the road whatever that saying is um and it's just so hard to move past it because the relationship wasn't built on anything concrete it wasn't built on self-giving love or even necessarily care for the other person it was built on the selfish intentions of oneself and then it just leads to crumble and it leads and it leaves even more hurt because of all that was done during the relationship that's interesting and that's at a catholic school how about at a public school what's it like devin what's your experience with your peer group about how would you describe what it's like to be in the dating world of a public school these days so it's not fun at all because a lot of it is they're basically just using you for intimacy and just trying to like make them attach to you and then like they'll they'll just leave you right there and then so this is what you see amongst your friends yeah that... and it's really bad in public schools too because everything gets spread around easily so then like there's people like calling you bad things and all that stuff and it just makes it all worse and it's really bad sometimes because sometimes a lot with girls we get attached easily and then like it takes us months to recover and it messes with our head so much like I'm not gonna mention names one of my friends was like she was in a one-year relationship and he basically cheated on her the whole time and she found out six months after they broke up and it really messed her up badly and it was scary to see that because people like go through lots of just like eating disorders or like they try to like hurt themselves and it's, it's scary yeah yeah that makes me sad like teenage years are hard enough as it is because you guys are officially growing up. You're hitting your like your teenage years and then before you know it it's like young adulthood and and all that and it's like to to add this to it to make it you yeah. know like that much. Ah, that's And I feel like when you're in Catholic school you kind of have something to like correct you. You know, you always you, Jesus is part of every day right. no matter what cuz it's Catholic school. Um it's so almost like there's at least a guide to, yeah, or you, something to like guardrails almost, yeah. like right. To, yeah. So Devin, of your friends that you know that are in relationships, how many of them are are sexually active, like or have, that you know of? A lot. Would you say? Would you say what it, percentage? Would you say are having sex with their partner? I think a lot because it's basically just what you do nowadays, especially in our society as kids. Like all they do is just drink and just like get with like all these people and it's just like why are you doing that and like half the time they're not even dating to like be married they're just dating for the fun of it and was this your what grade you guys in 10th grade 11th grade you're going into 11th grade 
Okay, so when did this start? Was this in eighth grade? Was this in seventh grade? Or when did this begin? This sort of I've seen sort it of free for all. Ninth grade, but like eighth grade was like I've saw I've seen some of my friends start drinking in eighth grade because of their boyfriends or girlfriends, and it's just really bad to see. So it, it started in eighth grade and then got progressively yeah. worse. And now, what percentage of your friends would you say are involved in this kind of let's call it a lifestyle? Pretty much everybody. Everyone. Wow. What would you guys say in co- in in Catholic school? What what's the what do you, what would you say the percentage of people that are living like they were in public school, in Catholic schools? Um, it totally depends on the environment, like the school. So, at the the worst schools, the worst Catholic schools you'll be at in terms of environment, it can be ninety five percent of the people there are living like this. But you go to a better environment, I'd say it's almost none you know like it totally depends on the school but you it's surprising at some of these schools how bad the or not bad but how the lifestyles that some of the kids are living even though it's catholic school you know and i'd say i think i have a unique perspective because i go to an all-girls school so you obviously have that separation between because we aren't really with guys all day um, but even so the ones that even aren't actively engaging in the lifestyle there's so many that are just yearning for it for themselves they see their friends have it and once again drawing back to they're saying i want that being selfish they want what they have and then they bring that with them into their relationship if they do get into one so i don't know what we would attribute it to it's wanting what someone else has wanting to be popular wanting to fit in you know these number of different psychological you know like effects that it has on us as you know as young people but but that's what you're saying Mackenzie is that they're yearning to have that Mm -hmm. so even recognizing that this might not be healthy or might not be good for me but it's what everyone else is doing so I want that too Mm -hmm. and I think it's so easy just to fall into that because like I mentioned it's so normalized it's shoved down our throats since the second we can breathe I mean some people get phones as early as fourth grade most people have them by middle school when you're on social media it's really hard to avoid that and when it's just when it's the culture that's normalized when you're a teen you're just trying to fit in you don't want to be the one to stand out and you don't want to be the one that poss- you don't want to do something that makes you questionable or possibly subject to unfair treatment from your peers you just want to fit in so when that's just such the cultural the cultural norm it's very hard to even if you aren't if you don't have that and even if you're like in your gut you don't want that a little part of you does yearn for that just because it is so normalized and indoctrinated into our culture you're right it's for, yeah not for bad reason at all it's just simply wanting to be normal and to fit in and just be part of what everybody else is doing yeah, it's human yeah not be the too. weird one right mm-hmm. <laughs> huh I, I was just gonna say it's human nature to want like or to fit in yeah it is people like to feel like most people you know like Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with and honestly on its surface there's nothing wrong with it like if someone said hey everybody's wearing jeans today you know to whatever you would probably throw a pair of jeans on if somebody said everybody's wearing shorts you'd probably put a pair of shorts on like we like to fit in with what everybody's doing but when it comes to this this is different because if everybody's drinking or everybody's doing drugs or if everybody's, as you had said, Devin, you know, being sexually active with each other, this one actually has negative consequences. There is no negative consequence 
to me putting jeans on, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I might be hot, you know, or something like that. Or, or if I don't bring a hoodie with me, maybe I might be cold that night. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about real consequence, like true consequence. And, and, and I know that leads to another topic, which is, as a society, they've basically tried to remove consequence from us. So you can engage in all this activity and there is no consequence but that's not true because there is consequence like you're saying Devin I mean we have suicide rates are have gone have just blasted through the roof it's like a 5000% increase or something like that we have girls that are they're hurting they're struggling we have people with eating disorders we have yeah. even guys I mean it's not like guys are immune to this if a guy finds out that his girlfriend's cheating on him mhm mm Really and I think it's yeah. This hurts. Some of the stats is that guys are act. I forget what study it was, but teenage guys are actually more likely to commit suicide than teenage girls, and teenage guys are about twenty five percent of all eating disorders as well. So just for those two mm -hmm. stats that we said, it's definitely not one side more than another, or that the guys are all immune and that the girls are all the victims. It's definitely a two way street, and there definitely is a lot more than even what media can present. I have a question for you. What is the level, I'm trying to, to I'm trying to see where pornography leads into this. Do you know, how, I mean, Devin, in your school, how many people are actively watching pornography? Honestly, because that's because like when we were growing up, the access to pornography was nowhere near what it is today. I mean, today it's, if you have a smartphone, you have access to a world of pornography that is absolutely outrageous. Anything you want to see. So yeah. I was just curious, in the public school, and we can go to the Catholic schools after this, but in the public schools, I'm not sure, I'm sure not everybody that is is telling you that they are, but you know from talking yeah. to people, how prevalent is pornography use amongst men, women, or it's, boys and girls it's a lot especially in public school because like i've like been like walking around i've hear like people talking about like watching it i'm just like why are you doing that to yourself it's like not healthy because you can get like addicted to watching it it's just not good for you but a lot of people watch it what do you think that do you think it's changed and if so how has it changed the way that young men are interacting with women how do you think it's changed it, if I it has? I think it's changed um, a lot because now, like, all men want is for a woman to please them. And if they don't, they'll just kick them to the road. Hmm. So it's become like, like a use thing. Yeah. So a woman, is a, woman is a tool for a certain sort of pleasure women. in a way. Yeah. And if and they I've won't provide that. i my, like, girlfriends go through that, and it, tr like, scared them a lot. And you think that there's a connection there to the pornography thing? Do your friends talk about that? Is it a subject or is it not something that's it's discussed? It's not something like my friends would talk about. You mostly see all the guys talk about it because girls like don't like that stuff. And really just hear like all the talk about guys just talking about that every single day. Interesting. Um, Nick, what about you? What's the, the, of your friend group, what's the, what would you say the pornography use is? I, um, so I used to go to Devon Prep and that's all guys so it kind of gets you more of a like yeah you have of, an interesting perspective yeah. because you were at all boys similar to mckenzie but then you just transferred this here so you went from co-ed to all boys to now back to co-ed again so yeah i'm curious to yeah. hear what you when it's all got it's like devin said you know i don't 
I don't know, for whatever reason, guys are just tend to be more, like, open about it. And it's kind of something that, like, everybody just knows that, like, dudes... Jason Evert said this in his talk one time. It's like, it's like guys are kind of just stuck here. Like, it's jail. Oh, yeah, we're just stuck in porn right now. You know, we're hopefully going to get out one day. And I feel like... <laughs> I didn't hear that at the talk. Yeah. That was great. Uh, made me laugh a little bit because I feel like that's how it is with dude. And when I was at an all guys school, it's that's definitely how it is. There, like, I don't I, obviously like some of the kids then tend to be a little bit more like nerdy. You kind of can't really. But even them, it's like I'd say it would probably be like ninety to ninety five percent of the kids there, which is crazy. And then at coed, you can, you can. I have no clue. It's hard to read like girls. <laughs> in your as in your easy. opinion, how do the people, the guys that you know that are engaged in that and watching it, how does it affect? Do you see a difference with the way that they interact with women or not? You don't notice any any real I difference. Definitely, you can definitely see like how so. You they just want like they don't care about like finding a girl to like really love. You know, they just want to. And they're like, hook up with the girl, whatever, just have a girlfriend just because to like use her, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can definitely tell the difference. It's mm. crazy. It's it yeah. It's unbelievable. This is so it's Pope John Paul, you guys said this in the podcast with um the episode with Father B. He said, um, the opposite of love is an apathy, but it's use. Um, great I, line i feel like that yeah. honestly that describes great episode the, thank you father b for coming on we're waiting for part two <laughs> yeah and for we'll cash in that check yeah it was great but i feel like that perfectly describes our world that we live in today and even more so dating today you know the opposite of love is an apathy which would be like lack of interest you know so how do you guys avoid that because you're dating god is honestly the only way I feel like just daily efforts, you know, you gotta, you have to take one day at a time, you know, hmm. I feel like that's honestly the only way. Cause without God, everything else in the world just points you towards sex, you know, without God, everything's relative. And when everything's relative and you're subject to just wanting to fit in, what reason is there to be yeah. on the outskirts and to do the so-called unpopular thing? Devin, do you feel lucky to have a guy that would talk like that? Yeah, because honestly, um, I've like been like with other guys who've not treated me the way he's treated me before, so it's like better to have someone who actually treats you the way you're supposed to be treated. Wow. So, um, is that like an argument for the Catholic faith, or do you think he's just like a you know, good family, or like what do you what well, do you? Well, I think um, it's the people around him who make him a good person, especially his mom and dad, because they obviously raise him, and obviously God has a connection too, like a really good deep connection so you so, can't see this um for our listeners but i did just give a fist pump just so you know it's a huge <laughs> that's a huge thing i mean so i'm, I'm curious i'm interested because it's a really interesting thing because you sounds like you've had the experience of dating people that were not like this with you and um and so yeah that's really interesting thank you for sharing that i think You're that's welcome. that's yeah that's that's great how about you mckenzie do you um do you, you're in all girls school, so you're mm-hmm. not dating anybody at your school probably. But, <laughs> no. but what is, what when you're going out, what are you looking for in a man? Because I think, we're, you know, what we're trying to gear the show towards is men mm-hmm. in specific and young men is, is sort of maybe a, a, also a, a subset. So 
what would you want in a man? Like, what are you looking for when you go out for, like, okay, in this case it would be a young man, but what are you looking for? <laughs> what is it that you, that you want? Yeah, so um, I guess one of the main things that I'm really looking for is just really um, listening and understanding. I want, I don't want to just be heard, but I want to be like understood in that relationship. And a little more, I forget who said it, but I saw recently that um, it's not necessarily being like respected, but being like a step above just respect like there's one thing if you're in a relationship and he like respects your beliefs and this is to no means give a bad term to respect that's like obviously like key that's great but there's another thing but respect only goes so far as long as you're strong in your beliefs and in your convictions but the second I have a bad day or maybe I'm going through something and my faith teeters for some reason if I don't have someone that will continue to uphold me to the standards that he knows I deserve we both know that each other deserves then that's kind of where it goes downhill so have you been have you found somebody like this I have not <laughs> do you but, okay sorry have you found no. people who aren't like this I have found people that weren't like this <laughs> they're much easier to find <laughs> they are much easier to find so do you notice any trends or any um like for yourself so you can say okay this is the kind of vision of a man or a young man that I'm that I'm looking for and where would you find such a person? Like, where do you think that those people hang out? Uh, that's a good question. Like I said, I go to all-girls school, so I kind of have to, like, put myself out there if I want to find that. <laughs> but, I mean, the Archdiocese of Philadelphia is really good at just giving new opportunities. And I really just think, at least with where I am at in my life right now, finding, like, if I can just form the friendship first. Mm. And you, like, I mean, you go out and you find people. And it. I think when you really... In our society, everyone's always looking like, oh, if I have a friend that's a guy, automatically, like, we're trying, we're like, we're talking, we're trying to be boyfriend, girlfriend, like, that whole thing. But I think if you really start and you just, like, you set the foundation, you start out as friends, and you just really, like, see if you enjoy each other's company, see if you enjoy each other for, like, who they are. You aren't in the relationship trying to change them. You aren't in the relationship trying to see what you get out of it. You're just in it because you enjoy each other's company. And then I think that's kind of what, I guess I'm looking for, which is like, I guess like a deeper friendship. Like I find a guy who understands me and we get to, we start out as Do you have friends like that now? Mm -hmm. Do you have uh, uh, boyfriends, not boyfriends, but yeah. like boyfriends that are like that? Yeah, so I have a few and they're just, it's good, just also like variety. Like you get, you get different perspectives and it's always good to have like multiple friends, mm. friend groups and all that. And yeah. And if you want more information about this topic and and exactly what the three of you just talked about. Jason Evert, as you said, and the Chastity Project is a wonderful thing that you can pull up on YouTube or you know, watch on Instagram or something. There's so much information surrounding this on just us being normal, you know, whatever, kids, young adults, and dating and all that. But as they're talking, Andrew, I can't help but think about the Sackos. You yeah, and I were amazing. wondering, like, did this did either one of the Sackos um yeah, we were trying to get you know, the dirt. Yeah, like no dirt. They no, no, there dirt. was no dirt because they literally, they're young. <clears throat> they were young adults. They were living, as I was mentioning to you guys in the car on the way down, that they were living in these Catholic young adult houses. And when they met each other, which was just hanging out at whatever activities like they were doing, they might have gone to a bar one night or whatever. Then they met each other and were hanging and being friends, as you're describing, Mackenzie. And then Chris realizes, all right, well, not only do I like this girl because she's cool and cool to hang out with, but I find her to be attractive, too. So it's like, all right, I'm going to ask her on a date now. 
And he asked her on a date, and they went. And then a second one and a third one. And before you know it... They got married. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think you kind of hinted at it in the car, or maybe you said it. But um, another thing is that I think when we talk about if you see anyone that's like firm in their beliefs or they're passionately Catholic or passionately really anything that's not the norm and they're looking for a relationship, it doesn't have to be the different relationship. It doesn't have to be odd. Like you still can get so much out of it that is um, it's just so great for you and great for your soul that just because you're in a relationship, say with someone that is strongly Catholic, that doesn't mean it's like the weird relationship or you have to do things that aren't quote unquote normal. Like you still have a very normal life. You just also adhere it to your morals and your standards. And I don't think that there's anything to lose when you apply that. I think there's just so much to gain. Yeah, that's so interesting because um, there's this, uh, there's this biblical principle I forget where in the Bible it is, but it says, by their fruits you shall know them. So if it's countercultural what you guys are trying to pull off here, I guess the first thing to do would be to look at the culture and ask, like, how's that doing? And as Pete was saying earlier, you got a, a massive increase in suicidality, people killing themselves. You got a huge amount of, of eating disorders, both amongst young men and young women. You have, I'm sure you guys know this, there's a huge amount of psychiatric pills like being used. So Prozac, all that, SSRIs, all that. They use, especially among young women, actually. It's through the roof. Like one in three or something. It's crazy. One in four, something like that. So, STDs. Oh, STDs Be- through the roof. Between the crazy. ages of 15 and 35. This, right. And these aren't our statistics. These are CDC right. statistics. Right. It's between like one and two and one and three. So crazy yeah this is at like at that point how are you like who do what, i date yeah. how do i like do i have to right do i have to give you an std test before i, I actually date you or like you know yeah this is where we've come so so if that's the culture if that's the normal that we're all trying to reach that's kind of insane i would say what do you guys think i mean to me that's like that's obviously not working very well so this alternative lifestyle this is the real alternative lifestyle is the lifestyle that everyone was living the old-fashioned way which seemed to be working really well because so anyway i would say that the um the fruits of what's happening in the culture are obviously rotten do you guys agree? I mean, that's yeah. the way I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, from my perspective, it's it's clear. But I'm wondering if you guys see that. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, like you said, rotten. I mean, you, men and women are both given, like, labels before you even begin a relationship. Like, oh, all men are, like, pigs, you know? So how you got to find yourself, like, a real man or, like, for women, you know? Like, if that's the standard that we're setting for men and women in society like that's horrible you know at that point i it's hard to even want to date somebody you know yeah because that's a that's a game that has a lose-lose outcome there is no win in that game. yeah totally but that's where this what you guys are describing is counter-cultural and now there actually is a win game and it's not a win-lose game it's actually a win-win game because nikki if you can be that guy and then Mackenzie and devin if you can be those young ladies that you're describing now you actually have a win-win relationship now we're going back to that old society that you were describing andrew where it's different and that different was good yeah it works i mean do you know that in the early 1900s mrs DeMaio and i love teaching marriage prep it's one of our favorite things because you're catching couples when they're engaged they're planning their wedding it's you know it's like one of the most joyous happy times in a couple's life 
have your honeymoon coming after your wedding day and all that. But one of the things that I found interesting was in the early 1900s, the divorce rate was only 10%. By the 1950s, it had climbed up to 25%. By the 1960s, with the sexual revolution and the beginning of contraceptives, Right now I can do whatever I want and there is no consequence because there won't be an, a pregnancy because we can do whatever we want, get the pleasure from the act without the actual baby, the pregnancy, right? Now divorce climbs up to 50% and it's pretty much stayed there ever since unless you're cohabiting before you get married and they say that if you live together before you get married, stats are that the divorce rate is actually more like 70%. They estimate two-thirds to three-quarters. So I don't understand how you could look at that and not think like, like, damn, like we probably shouldn't be living together, you know, like contraception probably isn't good if right when they introduced in the society, divorce rate doubles, you know? I think somebody, I heard this amazing stat a couple of days ago about people that meet on these swiping dating apps Ooh, have nice. a 6x higher divorce rate. It's cra- I don't I don't know this I don't know this study but I heard that on somebody was saying that um, in some interview and I, I couldn't I mean it's obvious right if everything's just a, if if people as you guys were talking about with this pornography thing if people become disposable items for pleasure and that's how we train ourselves to treat other humans how are we ever going to love anybody how are we ever going to stay with them when things get difficult? How's that going to happen in principle? I have a question for you, Devin. Um, if so, you don't mind, Andrew, real fast, because that's what stuck out to me, really, from what you guys said, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to yeah. comment on it, was that is you guys nailed it perfectly. Your description of use, whether that be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even just a, re- a friend, you know, is when everyone is just something, as you said, Andrew, disposable and something of use, where do we, that is just a lose, lose. It's a society game. without love. It That's is. That's the culture of death. That is, truly. That's the culture of well, death. Well, you and I talk about all the time exactly. on this show. That's the, the whole culture. point of the show. Yes. to counter that. And when Father B said it, and Nikki, you heard, or I've once heard someone say the opposite of love is lust, when all we do as men is watch porn on our phones, you know, then when we look at a lady, we don't see a, we don't see them for who they truly are. Yeah. All we see them is an object for my use and my own personal pleasure. This is the like opposite of when Adam first gave it gazed at Eve in the garden. He's sitting there. I mean, look, you can believe that the Bible's just a story, and that's fine. It's okay, right? And as Andrew says sometimes, we're all just monkeys floating on rocks. If that's what you want to believe, it's fine. But if we look at it and say this is true, Adam's tilling in the soil, tilling in the soil. He's messing with the cattle and the other animals and the fish of the, you know. And then all of a sudden, God takes bone out of him, his rib, and creates woman. Mm. And he gazes at this woman for the first time. And when he gazes at her for the first time, he says, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's like, you want to talk about yearning? It's like, (laughs) I've been sitting here messing, digging in the soil, and this was not cool. You know, but now it's like, I have one of me, but even better. It's a woman. It's different. It's beautiful. It's perfect, you know? So, I don't know. That's... That's yeah, the way it should be. We got to restore it back to that. Yeah. That's what dating should be. Totally. For 
you know? So Devin, I have a question for you. If you could, if there, let's say, even though this is a podcast mostly for men, let's say there's a young woman listening to this that was um, like kind of confused about dating and what men, what would you, what would your advice be after you, now you've dated multiple people and you, you, some things that didn't go well, some things that are going well, what would your advice be to her today? What, would mean, she, what should she be looking for in a man? I mean, I would say just choose wisely because some people you may seem that they are like a really good person, but their intentions are not to be a good person to you. So it's really difficult to find like a good guy in society now, especially in high school, because they just treat you like objects, like Mr. Mayo said. But I would say just really start with the friendship first, because if you rush into things, it could like become toxic and it's just not worth it. But you really need to really look and see if they're a good person with good intentions and all that stuff. But it's really hard to find people nowadays. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, well said. Bishop Aquila. Do you know Bishop Aquila? No, I've never heard chance? of him. No. He's out on the West Coast. I'm the most positive archbishop of like Denver, you know, Colorado. But he speaks into that a lot. This whole friends with benefits and this hookup culture that yeah. we have has not been good for any of us. No. It's, it's, it's also, it's interesting about it is that it's this whole consumer piece of it. So we're consuming each other as though we're objects or some kind of, you know, then we're disposing because if you have this idea of that another person is just a something to consume, and then there's this idea that women and men are interchangeable because we're all just objects, right? So you can have sex with, and women can have sex in the same way that men can. And what you said earlier, Devin, was that the women that you're interacting with are not able to get over these things in the same way that the men are. The men are able to bounce off of yeah. this, which makes sense biologically, which makes sense in the, what the Catholics would call the natural law, meaning it, just sort of say common sense, right? Um, I've, I know Jason Evert, I think, mentions this or have heard it from someone, but they say that. They say oftentimes young ladies give sex because what they're really searching for is love. So they're giving sex because they know that's what the guy wants. So they give them that because yeah. they want love in return. And the guys are playing the opposite card. They're giving love because they want the sex. So and. There's an emotional tie and an emotional attachment there, and you're right. The 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 young lady is going to wind up hurt and damaged, and it's not just the young lady; it's going to happen to right, young men both. too. I mean, this happened to my brother at a young age, and it was his first real girlfriend. Um, her name was Jen, and where they were together for like a year or eighteen months or something. And I remember when she cheated on him; that changed him. He then became like. I don't want to say a monster, but kind of like he became that guy. Chris was really, really like good looking guy and all the girls liked him and, you know, athletic and all that. So then he decided to not get hurt again. He would then date right. all the girls and right. cheat on all the girls and all that because there was almost like his defense mechanism of in order to protect myself from being yeah. injured, I'm going to play offense. So I'm going to be the one who does the injuring instead of getting which and is why I feel like this culture is so dangerous because now you're hearing that at a young age, like, oh, the girl's just going to cheat on me, so you're going to go into that relationship expecting to get cheated on, you know? And then for the girls, it's like, oh, he just wants me to use me, so you go into the relationship expecting to get used, and it's never going to work out like that, you know? Mm-mm. No. Somebody, I think, I forget if it was at the Everett talk, but somebody, did you guys hear that, um, the analogy of the tape? where the tape gets pulled off, no? 
Like, so let's say you, you, you have the ability to attach to somebody and it's like duct tape. You guys know what duct tape. So let's say you put duct tape on your leg and you like say, Nick, you have hair on your leg. So you put the duct tape on your, on your leg and you rip it off the first time. That was what happened to Chris. The first time it comes off, it's incredibly painful because your ability to attach is really strong. So now you put the same piece of duct tape back on the next relationship. Hurts, not as much, right? Same thing. And so what happens is, is that you don't, his point was that you don't get infinite number of chances at this game. You know, at this, well, it's not called a game, this interact, these, this, these relationships. Every time that you go through a cycle like this, your ability to attach to someone goes down and down and down because you've been hurt and hurt and hurt. Because hmm. there's, no there's only one first love. Right. There's only one time you were talking about with, with your other son. There's only one time that you're going to get in, fall in love the first time. It's never going to be that way because you don't know what you're getting involved with. And you, you're, so you're able to completely give yourself to the other person. And if that falls apart, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's something that's... Um, it's like a yeah. wound, like yeah, when something exactly. hurts. It's like really, if you, right. you know, you're a baseball guy or lacrosse or, or you're a softball girl, right? Mm -hmm. You slide or whatever and you, you know, get a really bad, you know, brush burn or something like that. Do you want anybody to touch that? You're like, you know, I'm right. hurt over here, but it's like, don't, yeah, don't touch don't that touch spot. Exactly. Don't touch that exactly. spot. It hurts. That's what mm -hmm. happens to our hearts. We get the same way, and then you have that need to... Right. I wanted to finish this point on the consumer thing, then I have a question for you. McKenzie. Andrew, can I say, when you said sure. the consumer thing, if you even draw it out a little further, which makes it worse, that's where we are right now as a society, is, is not only are we consuming each other, but two people make another, and we have a whole other human being, and they're just a consumer. Yeah, we'll disposable. We'll just if, dispose yeah, exactly. If I like, if does it fit the the spreadsheet? Like, does it? Well, it's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. and right. We're not even together. Might, we're right. not even. You know, it's like we were just hooking know. up does, one night. Right. So exactly. Like, so the baby. So bring it back to abortion. I was actually going a different direction, but that's interesting. The baby becomes just disposable so part because of it's, the, it's a part of the whole the whole disposable culture. And then this is interesting because the lie that's being told to women in this culture is that. You guys are going to be happiest if you get a career and forego your forego having children. Just go get a job at like Goldman Sachs or some place or whatever, and go serve the corporate beast. Whereas the olden older days, the and the Catholic Church's teaching is that you're going to be happiest if you fulfill your nature, and it's pretty obvious to find out what your nature is. Like go home and look in the mirror. Like your body was created; it has a nature was you have all these all these systems in your body and you have one system in your body that needs somebody else in order you can breathe on your own you can circulate your own blood you have one organ system in your body the reproductive system that needs somebody else you need another half in order to fulfill that that thing's nature that piece of you's nature so the idea there would be that then you fulfilling your nature in the same way that a bird makes a nest to fulfill its nature, you fulfilling your nature would be to have children. So get married young because, by the way, when it's another lie being told here is, oh, I can just wait. I'll just go get a career. I'll have this awesome career. I'll travel the world, eat, pray, love, whatever, and then I'll come back and I'll have my kids when I'm like 37. And there's a lot of women falling into that and then waking up and realizing, wait a minute, I had a lot better chance to have a child when I was 21 or 22 than I did at 37. And now I gotta go start creating a bunch of frozen babies 
mm-hmm. and IVF yeah. and killing half of them to make one and maybe and just spending tens of thousands of dollars to get this to happen, which is totally against the nature of things. Because the nature of things is that and when you're young, you have the, that's your, your peak fertility is in your youth. When you're, you know, so let's say from 20 to, you know, when you get out of, co- like, get out of high school, college, like getting married and having kids, that's the, that's the time that nature and God who created nature. Yeah. Sorry. And, al- and along the way, how many relationships did I have and how many times did I rip the duct tape off and try to reattach it? And at 37 years old now, what's the duct tape like? Is it, right, does exactly. It even it's it's pretty beat up duct tape. It doesn't work anymore. It yeah, doesn't yeah. attach. It so doesn't it's work. almost like, oh, crap, I only have my shelf life of having getting married, you know, or not getting married, but having children is like my window just got smaller. So it's like, oh, who can I find now to go like right. match up with to go give me. Right. So when you see these angry women on TikTok yelling about their abortions and, and screaming and spazzing out, why? Why are they so angry? Because they've been sold a lie, been sold a lie, and they lived a lie. And so they're, I mean, they're pissed off because they realize that something that something inside them knows that their real lives weren't lived. I way. think that goes back to what you said in the beginning, Mackenzie, is then at it's that my editorial point, opinion. We know you're spot on at that point. I finally realized that what I believed all along wasn't true, but I refused to change my belief because I believed it Mm -hmm. and now I need to stick to it. And I think that might be part of the problem with all of us as humans is that need that I believe this and I'm not going to move off of it. This is my position, you know? Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe as we're, as we're wrapping up here, maybe, the new position that we should all take is it's not me it's it's me with god like he's driving the i'm actually going to get out of the driver's seat and i'm going to move over to the passenger seat i'm still in the car and the car's still driving but i'm going to let him take over and control the wheel and push the gas pedal and i'm going to ride or if i'm on a bike i'm sitting on the handlebars and he's actually you know pedaling And that might be where we need to head. And I think that Pope John Paul says that and states it clearly, um, states it extremely clearly that we need to be able to identify this and call sin, sin. And I'll wrap up with this. It's in his Evangelum Vitae, which is the gospel of life. Pope John Paul says... A woman who has conceived a child within her womb is forbidden by natural and divine law to kill this human life within her by herself or by others, whether directly or indirectly. And that was in his gospel of life. And he knew this consumable Hmm. nature, having grown up under communism in Poland better than just about anyone. Yeah. Hey man, as, as you said, Pete, we've got to we've got to wrap it up. And I wanted to um, thank you guys for coming in today. It was yeah, really awesome yeah, talking to all of you. Love to do a part two here. Oh, I would love a part two. Yeah, if we can so have you guys, you guys back. You back. are. It was great. You guys yeah, are so awesome, great. and we hope you guys. That yeah, was just wonderful. Anyway, Pete, can you end us up in a quick prayer, and then we can uh, let the next uh, studio participants come in. Absolutely. Is there anything that you guys want to say as we're sounding off? 
Uh, no, just thank you for letting us on. Yeah, that's really about thank it. You. Yeah, yeah, thank you. This was a great opportunity. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, God, thank you so much for these absolutely amazing young adults and just the gifts that you're giving them, which we know come from the Holy Spirit, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And they can take that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and use that for good to counsel others and guide others. Um, thank you for giving them these gifts, whether they recognize them or not, they're there. And I would just ask you to continue to plant seeds in all of us and help to um, water and nourish these seeds within us, and especially in our hearts and in our minds, to continue to create us anew, to allow us to understand that as human beings we can give up our old selves and become our new selves, to do what Pope John Paul taught us, which is to call evil what is evil and good what is good, and just to learn to be able to call sin, sin. We're not calling the sinner the sinner or condemning the sinner. We're just identifying sin and saying it's not good for us. It's going to lead to that rotten fruit. And we don't want that for our lives. We want healthy relationships. We want healthy lives. We want win-win situations for all of us. And I would ask you for all these things as we pray. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Signing off.